Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Well, as per usual, no, not really per usual, but we like to give people crap when they don't show up. And Cody Heitschmidt has decided not to show up to the roundup. I think Jim Cucurudo is that he didn't know how to spell, or not spell, say your last name, and he was embarrassed that he was going to get it wrong. It happens more than Me, on the know. other hand. <laughs> me, on the other hand, I know how to say your last name, Cucurudo, but when I met you in person, I did not. <laughs> you say it better than I do And now. I think, oh man, I was like, okay, I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. I've got to remember Cucurudo, Cucurudo. And a, a mutual friend of ours, Peter, uh, from the NRA. Yeah. I was having a conversation with him. Actually, prior to me meeting you, I had just arrived in Boston Airport and was having a conversation with him. And I messed up your name on that phone call. <laughs> and he corrected me and he said, no, it's Cucurudo. And I was like, oh, perfect. So, uh, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just me today, Jim. It's not Cody. And Cody has just texted me saying that he had 6 p.m. 6 p.m. on the brain, and he is at football practice. So well done, Cody. You blew off myself and Jim C. And I hope you get a bunch of text messages uh, in lieu of this. So Jim Cucurudo, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Welcome to the Roundup. Uh, super happy that you're here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, I tell you. I'm on a I'm on a high streak, you know. Just got back from a successful conference down in Fort Worth, uh, and now I get to spend a little bit of time with you. But um, if you don't mind, I want to do something uh, 
I want to ask you a quick question because uh, I was listening to. Oh no no no! Hold on hold on! This is my podcast. I, I get to ask like the questions on this podcast. Okay, I'm I'm. I, go for I was it. doing a little listening to some of your previous podcasts, and on a recent one, you, you were saying that you're a bourbon guy. So I am. Yes. I just knocked off a bottle, and I'm going to open up a new one. But I'd like you to select my next bottle for me. So I'm going to give you a couple options. Ooh. Okay, let's right, do it. So this is the first time. Here is uh, George Dickel, and it's a collaboration with the Loophole Brothers, and um, it's kind of a new one. So I want to see what that one's about. Who are the Loophole Brothers? Who are the Loophole Brothers? Oh, they're they're distillers, and you know, so okay. they, they just are collaborating together. Michter's Ten Year, which uh, is hard oh, to find, good. but uh, good to drink. You get your uh, everyone's kind of favorite Blanton's. Uh, it's a single barrel. Mm. I like your reaction. Put it, put it away. And put then away. your that's a that's a marketing right there. The well, and then the Weller's Twelve, which again, not not a. Uh, bad choice in the bunch but i'm gonna leave it up to you so i'm quite disappointed <laughs> number one because i would have expected you to send me a selection of bourbons and we could have then you know done this I together found out but... an hour ago so next time we meet up the first <laughs> round's on me <laughs> <laughs> love it love it uh i'm going with your selection number two your mick mix mick... victor's tenure very good tenure. choice, and Thank you. Uh, kind of rare these days because they decided not to release it this past year. It was their quality wasn't up to snuff, which is commendable nowadays when you can sell every drop of bourbon you can make. So, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I'm going to make a note for myself because I need to go. I that I try and add that to the collection. Michter's ten year old. Yes, sir. All right, well, I don't know if you, you've got anything handy, but cheers. I'm going to cheers to you, and then we'll uh, we'll have fun. Cheers, my man. Well. Oh, it's worth it right there. It's yes, worth sir, it. Good choice. Well, Jim, give a, to the listeners that uh, may not know who Jim Cucurito is, uh, give us a little bit of background of who you are and, and what you do today, because you, you started a, a really cool NGO uh, that I just recently got to know. So um, have at it. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. So Jim Cucurito, and I'm currently the executive director for the Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation, and we are a new 501c3. We just got our... Uh, approval from the IRS in 2021, and our mission is to use research-based communication and engagement programs to recruit the next generation of hats and promote the fact that those hats are the primary funders of conservation in America. Jim, what the heck is a hat? You, know, you beat me to it. I said everybody's going to ask what a hat is. Hats are. So hats are hunters, anglers, and target shooters, and there's about 60 million active hats in the U.S., so, uh, you know, it's a powerful force collectively, individually, um, you know, it, it, it's not that strong, but we got to, that's one of the things we're doing is, is getting, mm -hmm. getting everybody on the same page and working together. And, uh, you know, the reason why our, our mission is research-based is because I spent 11 years at uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation as their research director. So, you know, everything that we do is, is going to be proven, and um, we're ready to uh, help make a difference here in the future.
Outstanding. Outstanding. I can't wait. I'm excited to see how we can help you. Um, I think you guys have got a unique background. And um, yeah, I really appreciate uh, Tom Taylor at 6 Hour for the introduction. And then obviously the fortuitous meeting when we were up there filming in Maine and had to, you know, got you really nicely lit with, you know, the silver mane that you have. <laughs> and your wife had, your wife's a hairstylist, if I remember correctly, correct. uh, had you looking perfect. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to put that together. We're actually working on it right now, Jim. It should be done uh, hopefully by the end of October. Yeah, we need more Tom Taylors. I mean, I love what they're doing up there. I love the fact that, um, you know, they're not doing this for themselves, but to help communicate messages mm -hmm. out there, which is extremely important. Um, you know, you got there's a lot of information out there that folks don't know, as you're well aware. You're, you're doing a great job of supplying that information out there to new audiences. So appreciate what you're doing as well. No, no problems at all. Well, um, let's go to text messages. We have a text message line that text people text into us at 620-860-4804. If you want to text us anything that's happening in the outdoor world and hunting space, anything that may interest you, uh, you know you can text us. Um, you can also email us, email us at info at bloodorigins.com. Um, so, Cody, do we have any text messages? Oh, that's right. Cody is not here. <laughs> Cody decided to play hooky. So we can't read any text messages. Typically, Jim, we have a lot of guys from around the world and around the States that send us text messages and tell us, you know, how bad we do and, you know, give us opinions on articles. But obviously, we cannot do it today. So everyone text message. Please text Cody. 620-860-4804. Uh, let him know you can't believe that he actually ditched the roundup. And so give him your give him your best. Well, I know he sent me an article or two, um, you know, to to brush up on in case we were going to talk about it. And there was one about um, some biologist out in Washington State, Bart George. Yeah. So let's talk about. So as the guest of the roundup, we obviously let you typically pick the article of choice. And uh, you've picked a very good one, which is Bart George, Washington State. Um, and, and what I love about Bart, and I've, we've engaged in Bart. Bart is a wildlife biologist. He works with uh, an Indian on an Indian reservation. He runs a very good research project right now, which is looking at lion lions and how they can be hazed with hounds and chasing them with hounds. It's a really, really cool piece. Um, but this article, this piece, is written by Bart George. It's in the, what, where was it? The Spokesman Review, Spokane, Washington. And it's George Colon, oft-maligned trophy hunting, actually key to conservation. Pretty controversial little headline there. I'm telling you, that, that article was packed with uh, a lot of um, really great things. Um, you know, one thing that stood out to me uh, among the many that we'll get into, but you know, I love the fact that he's using the term legal regulated hunting. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a story I'll tell you about that term, how I first started using it back in, I think it was 2011 or 12, we were doing a study on understanding the impact of peer influence on youth participation in hunting and target shooting. It's a mouthful okay. of a title. 
It, it was a hell of uh, a novel. The peer influence, you know, how are, you know, 13-year-olds that are hunting versus 13-year-olds that are not hunting, you know, what is the peer influence there if, if um, you know, any group, it doesn't matter if they're football players or, um, you know, math team guys, you know, if they portray themselves in a good, positive manner, right, their friends and their peers are going to say, okay, those math guys are okay. Those football guys are okay. Those hunters are okay. So, you know, one of the things that we identified and, and we worked with Mark Duda of responsive management and you know, first we do qualitative, which is listening. We do focus groups and then we turn it into quantitative and do a broader study. But during those focus groups of 13 to 16 year olds, um, it was brought up about, you know, this is, you know, this was in, I think, uh, we did one up here in Connecticut, and the kids were like, "Yeah, we don't really like uh, the killing of lions and tigers." And I'm like, "You know, you're in Connecticut. You know, it's not that." And and they mm-hmm, talked about, mm-hmm. um, you know, poaching and all that sort of stuff. So it really resonated that words matter. Um, and then we started from that point on, kind of using instead of saying we're going hunting, you know, we're talking about legal regulated hunting. So it was great to see uh, Bart using that term as well. Yeah, it it was. We're going to put this in the uh, the notes of the podcast. So if you want to read any of these articles, it'll be linked in the in the podcast show notes. But it is a it is a freaking dense article. You almost felt like this article needed to be almost like a Washington Times opinion piece. It was really well researched. Bart George, if you're listening to this, well done, kudos. And reach out to me, please, because I want to get that uh, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife survey that they did in 2022, which is fascinating because in just and that's in the beginning of this article. He talks about like he couched this whole article in this idea of social science a little bit, and and he and he sort of marries. So he doesn't really call it social science, but it's social science married with emotion essentially. And what the survey showed that there was a substantial decrease in the approval of hunting. And you're thinking, well, that's bad. Well, it was 88% approval in 2014, and the full context of that paper found that overwhelming 75% of Washington residents approved of legal regulated hunting, just like you just said. Um, And the survey found a mere 10% that were disappointed. And so that then spills over into this idea of the spring bear hunt in Washington and how the overwhelming data is showing that a permit only spring bear hunt it removes 160 bears out of a population of that's nearly 30,000, which is like 0.01% of the population. It has zero um, effect, negligible effect on the actual population. And the, the wildlife biologists that have spent years learning, getting degrees, getting the data, putting their blood, sweat, and tears into creating sound science that cannot be biased or being overruled by either ideological conflict, which is the social science, or financial conflicts. Now, the financial conflicts of interest, you can debate until you're blue in the face. But as he says very eloquently, that is a loss for science, and that's a loss for wildlife, Jim. Yeah, and you know, I've been fortunate enough to work very closely with state wildlife agencies and and a couple of years ago I worked with the US Fish and Wildlife to develop a program called Partner with a Payer 
where we wanted to connect the state wildlife agencies with the folks that paid the tax, the so six hours, the Mosbo. Great program. Great. And program. one of the things we got to do was go out with the Connecticut Department of Natural Resources on Black Bend Dare Stud, Black Bend. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Den studies, and that might be the Michter's 10 kicking in. So this is going to be a long Already? podcast. Already? Jeez, this is going to be a long podcast, right, I know. Jim. And so, um, but we would bring out, you know, folks from the manufacturers on these studies and stuff. And the biologists would tell us the same thing. There's not a bear season in Connecticut, but... Um, you know, there is starting to be a little bit of an overpopulation, more and more um, nuisance calls are coming in, more and more bear vehicle collisions are happening. So it, it is a communication thing. And, and I talked a little bit about, you know, with us being a collective unit um, and not every hunter is a bear hunter and all that stuff. But when these type of meetings occur, when the Washington State or Connecticut introduces some potential season for black bears you know hunters need to stand up and voice their opinion uh based on science yes we back this you may not be a bear hunter but you should you know comment on it as well because the folks that show up to the meetings overwhelmingly are anti-hunting and that's the reason mm -hmm. why uh, they're based on emotion not on science-based uh, kind of like bart was saying there mm-hmm yeah, the whole spring bear issue. I, I, I'll actually to to your point. I think hunters are getting better and better at the the sort of latter part of your statement, which is they're starting to show up. They're starting to speak. Uh, you know, you've got organizations like Howl for Wildlife that have come in uh, with some. They they figured out the legislative mechanism of emailing and contacting the the the, the, the typical anti-hunting weapon that is form letters. Well, Howl for Wildlife has figured out how to automate it essentially and so hundreds thousands of emails can go in 12 seconds 30 seconds one minute of you working um and people are starting to show up and people are starting to show up with 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 educated opinions not just emotional rhetoric or emotional rants they're coming to the table with very sound arguments that are not emotionless but I'll focus where they need to be focused. And I think what's even what happened, I, I think the, the last commission meeting for Washington was maybe a week ago, 10 days ago. Several hunters stood up and spoke very rational arguments and the an anti hunters that spoke. It was clear as day how irrational and how emotionally driven their statements were. There was no there was no couching in science, no couching in data. And it's almost like that's what we need to show. We need to be brave enough to stand up and go, okay, here's our position. Very gray, very black and white, very without emotion. Here is the science. Here's the data. And, and again, as that article had mentioned about, you know, in Washington State, 80% or approximately 85% um, don't mind legal regulated hunting. And... That study's been conducted on a national scale, geez, for almost 20 years, probably. Um, it, American attitudes towards hunting, fishing, trapping, and target shooting hasn't been updated since, I think, 2018. 
but uh, Outdoor Stewards Conservation just got a grant to um, work with um, response management again to update that study in 2023. So we're looking forward to getting that. And, and over that 15, 20 year period, it's it's stayed substantially high, 80 percent nationwide. But, uh, you know, a lot's happened. But that's for meat hunting. Years, yeah. But that's for meat hunting. Well, no, we ask about all types of hunting. And, you know, there's a list from, you know, high for meat and, and low for trophy hunting. And uh, so is there a way? And that's the thing, right? The, and that's what Bart pulls out in the article. And that's what the headline is, is that this idea of trophy, sure. right? And we've talked about it. It's misnomered. It's no hunter in the hunting community saying, I'm going trophy hunting. That's not what anyone says, period. And I've argued, but I've also been dissuaded in my argument that, can we call it something else? Can we call it conservation hunting? That's one word that's been thrown around a lot. And I've said, mm, you could, but you're essentially putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah, and and he mentioned that the term trophy hunting has been hijacked by the antis, and they've done a very admirable job. They, they've hijacked it quite well. You know, uh, you know, it's trophy hunting has been around since you know, hunting started for the most part. You you want that big game animal to have more meat and and all that sort of stuff. And um, it was one of the five stages of hunting. You know, trophy hunting was actually one of the five stages of hunting from a study done in mm -hmm. the 80s uh, by, I believe, mm -hmm. in, in Wisconsin. But, yep. um, you know, for me, I believe it really got hijacked in the summer of 2015. And I think you know what I'm talking about. A certain dentist in, in America got a... Well, we can talk about the next Cecil after this. Right. Yep, Cecil Align. That's, that's when... The antis really um, uh, sensationalized the term, put out photos, mm -hmm. you know, really tied trophy hunting into um, all types of hunting and also poaching, which obviously poaching, uh, hunters hate poachers more than <laughs> non-hunters hate poachers, right? But um, right. kudos to them for doing a good job. You know, changing it is not changing the term is not going to do anything. But communicating what it is uh, may help. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, check that article out. Bart George did a great job. Um, love. Uh, we need to get Bart George on this podcast. So, since you brought up Cecil, I will uh, take on the next piece which is uh i just gave you a you know a random article but um i'll i'll whilst i'm on this podcast i'll just i'm just gonna google i'm just gonna type in wolf husky and i'm gonna hit the news all right here we go we have one two the guardian the daily beast tmz three fox news KTVZ, New York Post, Whiskey Roof, The Independent, New York Daily News, Yahoo News. That was the first page. <laughs> Game of Thrones Wolves, uh, The Advertiser, AOL, Daily Star, The Today Show, holy shit, Drudge Report. This was... The lady 
who decided to shoot a wolf pup and actually shot a husky in the backwoods of Montana. I got blown up today about it. We just posted something about it. Did you hear anything about it, Jim? I did. You know, I don't know too many details there, but, um, you know, from what I saw, and uh, it is pretty classic that, uh, you know. Why, Jim? Why does some, let me, let me, I'm going to take, I don't even want to get into the details because it's not sure. even worth discussing. Let's, I want to take it up to a more philosophical level. Why? Do people choose to post that kind of stuff? I, uh, you know, it's, it, uh, I'm going to go back to what I referenced together. We all kind of need to make our own bed and, and kind of not talk bad about other hunters and their decisions as long as they're doing something that's legal and regulated. You know, if they're poachers, I think we all need to. So this is legal and regulated, Jim, but we can't, we, you, you can't defend this. Well, it was legal and regulated. Right. Well, I, I don't know the details. I don't of know it. if it was technically right. legal, but you know, shot a dog in the middle of a wilderness that got dropped off with a pack of like another eleven. Right. Right. And you know the po photos that I saw, you know, the tailgate photos and the blood and all that sort of stuff. I think we can do a better job as a community, and I, and I know we have done a much better job um, posting photos that. Um, are much more aesthetically pleasing, you know, taken into effect the camaraderie, the scenery, the nature, um, respecting right. the animal. Um, you know, right. it's it's pretty easy to take a good photo nowadays with you with with your smartphone. So there's really not too many excuses to, uh, you know, have that tailgate photo of a bunch of dried out trout or uh, you know a, a, a worn out hunter. You know grip in a bloody mm -hmm. animal so i think we can that's an easy one to fix but i again you know why does someone do that in my brain i'll, I'll give you my position it's almost like social media which is true here social media has created this this like desire to be popular yeah. Right. Social media has created this desire to be seen, desire to be liked, the endorphin rush, the dopamine. Is it endorphins or dopamine? No, endorphins. The endorphin rush that comes from the like button and you checking your social media and, you know, look how famous I am or look how good I am. That's all of that is the storm that this, this, Decide that that was behind this individual deciding to I go I'm going to do this right yeah I like what I'm seeing too from you know some friends of mine that are you know this deer season you'll see photos of of the body and not the head you know that's the the backstrap that's going to dinner and I love to see those recipes mm -hmm. and the and the camaraderie but yeah I'm, again I'm not uh, gonna tell somebody what they should or shouldn't do but uh, there's plenty of um, resources out there, even like you mentioned, the NRA Hunter Leadership Forum put out a one pager on how to take better photos, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you want more likes, but they also you have, a, have whole... a better photo. So. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So Jim, you put, you said it twice. So I'm interested in getting more of your thoughts here. So you're not an advocate of if someone is shooting holes in the boat that you're trying to row up steam, you're not going to throw them out of the boat. 
you know, uh, like I said, if they're if they do things that I don't do, you know, like I'm not a bear hunter, they're going to go bear hunting. I've got no problem at all with that. And I'll advocate for that. Gotcha. But, you know, if they're gotcha. Gotcha. taking a, an elk out of season, I'm the first one to say, man, put them in jail. Take away everything mm-hmm. that they have when they're in the field, their mm-hmm. vehicle. Um, I was actually, when I was out at AFWA, um, I was talking to Kurt Melcher, who's the director of Oregon Department of Natural Resources. And they had just... Um, busted some guides that said they were guides but they weren't licensed guides and they were taking people in the backwoods on you know the wall camp and all that whole experience um and they arrested them they took their mules they took all their equipment i said don't don't let them out of jail make an example of them you know that's what we Mm -hmm. need to do is the folks that are you know not doing things the right way and giving us all a bad name and giving fodder to the antis to say look they're all like that I'm all I'm I'm all against those folks. Yeah, but this person gave fodder to the antis. Like, uh, you know, I said today on the post, I said, "This hurt hunting." Who knows what kind of perceptions have been planted about us, perspectives about us, and then I said, "But time will tell how badly." Right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that one a little bit more because. Uh... I don't know the, the, the details of it. Well, let me say this. You talked about a tailgate photograph. There's a tailgate photograph of this lady with this husky puppy skinned out nose to tail. Yeah, that's not going to, that's not helping. (laughs) No. And then it just went to a point where she was defending when she got called out for this whole dog debacle or whatnot. Then she changed her story, and then it was like a self-defense story, oh, okay. which made it even worse, right? In that, in that moment, just be honest. Right, right. You know, honesty is a little bit more authentic. It's going to, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I've been dealing with it all day, and uh, I'm tired of talking about it. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to the next article. Uh, we've got... Um, one out of California. Look at this article. It was in the Press Democrat, and the title of the article is California to Ease Hunting Limits on Feral Pigs Under the New Law. So this is an interesting article because the law that got passed was actually championed by a Democrat out of Napa Valley. I think his name is, um, it's going to be in here, Senator Bill Dodd. Got signed into law on Thursday by Governor Governor Gavin Newsom, and what it allows um, private landowners to do is to go above and beyond their typical feral uh, pig control, and so it gives it increases opportunities to hunt them, and so it allows the bill it allows landowners to essentially kill animals without a permit. Um, you have to go get you have to go buy your twenty five dollar license for residents, ninety bucks for non residents. Um, gives you a season-long validation, which is unlimited number of harvests. Um, and and really, you know, this kind of thing is happening here in Mississippi, right? You, you don't need a license to... I, I, let me take that back. Actually, you do need a license to hunt hogs, but you, there's not even a tag here. It's like, if you see them, shoot them, kill them, whatever. So I actually didn't quite understand the whole pushback from the hunting community 
on this bill. There was actually a little bit of, of uh, pushback thinking that I think it was going to it was going to harm guides and outfitters. Huh. I didn't quite understand it all. I didn't want to put my nose in it to say I didn't quite because I didn't when I don't understand something, I'm just like, mm, right. I'm not going to say something because I don't understand. Yeah, it really. I mean, I hadn't read that one, but what jumped out at me, you know, California, you know, is doing something, you know, to help, you know, uh, hunters or to, to manage a population, that type of thing, because typically they've had some, um, you know, issues with uh, with hunting and regulations and, and pulling back on, obviously, you know, lead ammunition and, and certain types of firearms that you can use. But, um, you know, that feral hogs, I mean, where I am in Connecticut, not an issue at all. But friends of mine from Florida, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, I mean, it's it's destroying. They, they're destroying crops, destroying fields, water sources. Um, so, you know, a lot of places are no limits and no whatever means, you know, from uh, mm -hmm. from helicopter hunts to. Uh, I think poisoning and, and traps and all that sort of stuff. But again, it's a communication thing. So the way I would assume California um, came to that decision was the farmers and the landowners, you know, pro provided scientific evidence and research and history of the the damage, the economics, as well as the, the land management damage that the hogs are doing and sounds like california made the right decision on making it a little bit easier to manage that population yeah reading in the article a little bit more it seems like there's a little bit of controversy around sort of high fenced operations or hunting preserves as they're called you know and how those would be folded into the mix because it says the law prohibits any new contained hunting preserves uh, as dodd says also known as canned hunts um, I wonder if that was it, uh, but they seems to be have resolved their ambiguity um, and passed unanimously. Bill 856, both the State Assembly and Senate, and signed into law. So I think it's a good thing. You're never going to eradicate pigs. Unfortunately, they're here to stay. Um, but you can, you know, control them quite well. And, and suppress their populations, as you said, and limit their um, their damage to state wildlife management areas, wetlands and swamps, and specifically agriculture. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, let's do. I think there's one more on the on the on the ballot, isn't there? I believe, though. Uh, no, the other one is our baby wolf. <laughs> I know um, there was, a, I saw something and thought of you. I think there was a ban on bow hunting being considered in South Australia. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I figured you'd know more about that than I would. Yeah, so right now, we, in over the years, we've really learned to understand when to jump in, when not to jump in, be very... Um, careful in, in what we say and how we say it and when we say it. Because, just like this wolf-dog thing, you actually don't want to say anything about it at the end of the day. You don't want to push it, you don't want to promote it, you don't want to share it, but you have to say something, so you've got to figure out like how to do it without... Because the less attention on it, those kinds of things, the better. 
right? So in South Australia, there is a minister in the in the government in the in the state government looking to ban bows and crossbows. Now, there's been some images in the last 18 months that have come out of South Australia with like a cockatoo with an arrow in it, a cat with an arrow in it. And just like we've talked about on earlier pieces here, imagery is everything. And so she's used that as a sort of platform to champion that bow hunters and crossbow hunters are, you know, irresponsible and they just can't help themselves. They just want to shoot at things and kill things. Which, yes, we have bad apples. There's bad apples in every hunting community. There's bad apples in every lifestyle that do things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, and that's unfortunate. But the, the vast majority, 99% of the people, you know, operate within the legal bounds and don't want to do any harm to any wildlife. And so anyway, she, we're actually been sitting on the story for about a week and a half now, two weeks, because... We're waiting for the minister to have brought it up in, I think, like in a conference or or council, whatever they call it, and waiting for the minutes to come out of that meeting so that we know exactly what was said. As soon as we get that, then we'll be able to um, be able to say something about it. But they don't think that. So I've been interacting with an organization called CASA, which is the Conservation and Habitat Association of South Mm -hmm. Australia. And they're the ones with the the closest ear to the ground. They're they're pretty politically astute individuals down there, and uh, they just said hold tight, and we'll help you out. But it's almost just a symptom of of lots of things. Again, social science, um, imagery, and this push to ban. Right, and there's certainly a need to, um, you know, when that. I'm not sure how the process works there, but you know, if it's similar to here, there's going to be a comment period and, and not just bow hunters need to, you know, comment on that, but gun hunters and outdoors folks, you know, that support that uh, legal regulated hunting in Australia are going to have to comment on it or else, you know, it's, it's one piece at a time. They'll take away this and, and you can be sure that that's not the last thing that they're going to, you know, come back next year, well, let's get rid of, uh, you know, muzzleloader hunting because you only have one shot and you might need a follow-up shot. Let's get rid of this, you know, one Mm -hmm. piece at a time, um, which we've seen here in in the States as well. Jim, I've I've heard some people say they do not believe in the whole idea of death by a thousand cuts. Do you believe in death by a thousand cuts in terms of our lifestyle? Depends on what, what are we talking about, hunting or just, uh, you know. Hunting? Yeah, hunting. Yeah. I mean, look, I know um, folks in the archery trade industry that, um, you know, they spend a lot of time and effort making um, products that are very lethal um, and, um, you know, communicate the need for bow hunters to practice, 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 and make sure that they're taking um, shots that they know they're comfortable that will you know, dispatch an animal as quickly as possible. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think there's too many folks out there that are, you know, going out of their way to uh, you know, shoot everything and everything they see with uh, with a bow and arrow. And again, those are not hunters, right? They're the the poachers or the 
the guys that are breaking yeah, the, the law. Yahoos. Yeah, the Yahoos. The Yahoos yeah, breaking yeah. the law. Yeah, and and again, that happens in any community, right? There's Yahoos that break the law. You know, people drive illegally, do silly things, but you don't see someone calling for the banning of motor vehicles. Right, right. You know? So, it, again, I think it's an easy scapegoat, especially for an MP that is for the, you know, is part of the Animal Rights Party, essentially, <laughs> in the government. So it makes sense that you're going to be coming off the Yeah, hunting. I mean, I've heard crazier things out there. I know, you know, there's been a little rumors about uh, catch and release fishing, you know, being banned, if you can believe it. And I believe a couple of countries have done that already, but um, you just uh, never know what they're going to come up with next. Well, it's just like that, you know, let me, and let me bring this back around to hats. Yeah. You know, IP13 was defeated. Well, not defeated. They pulled it. But IP13 was that, that bill in Washington State that pretty much lumped all activities with any animal as sort of animal abuse, right? Like they labeled artificial insemination as sexual abuse of cattle, essentially. Mm. And... um for for the first time, it was almost like you had the dog handlers, you had the agricultural sector, you had the anglers because they talked about fishing, and the hunters all together going, "What is this not so stuff?" Right. It was the most. It was the most left animal rights rhetoric that we've ever seen pushed forward, and they're going to do it again. It's like I think it's like IP three now or something like that that they're trying to get. Right. Oh yeah, they, for. they won't give up, but. That collective voice, uh, and we've got it. We've got the number, 60 million active hats. And it, so why would the, why would anglers jump in with hunters and shooters? I, I think because they, they know what's next. I mean, you know, there's been regulations on fishing, you know, especially offshore fishing. And now there's um, even something I read about the other day about, you know, top speed that, that they'll allow boats to go. Uh, because of right whales and all that sort of stuff. And, and there's no data to support that there's um, boat right whale collisions, you know, that, that are hurting the population of right mm -hmm. whales. But anything they can, can dream up is is something that death by a thousand cuts, right? You know, proposed legislation after proposed legislation. And, um, you know, it takes away resources from from groups that are trying to, you know, promote hunting. Yeah. Yep. Well, man, um, I should have had another couple of articles, but Cody was in charge of sending articles out, and Cody is not here. If you didn't hear at the beginning of this podcast, Cody decided to drop us. Thanks, Cody, again. Um, but Jim, anything? Any final words? Um, sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I love what you guys are doing. I know you're now you've moved over to Tennessee, and we're working with the Tennessee. Um, wildlife resource agencies. Jennifer Wisniewski, who's their director of marketing, is on Outdoor Stewards Board. She's doing a oh, great fantastic. job helping us with um, our fill-a-bag program. So a couple programs we've got going at Outdoor Stewards. One of them is to distribute biodegradable bags to hats all across America. And we do that through our partners in conservation. So whether that's a manufacturer or a state agency or an NGO, we supply them with personalized biodegradable bags that they distribute out to their hats. And then we ask folks to... Can an individual get a, a bag, sure, Jim? Yeah, you, is that 
possible? How do the people we get can, that? You can just send them to outdoorstewards.org, and there's a little form that you can fill out, and we'll send you a, a bag as well. But um, we're doing it in bulk with folks like the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency and asking people when they come across a piece of trash in the woods when they're hunting or at the range or on the waters when they're fishing, that Mylar balloon, that Dunkin' Donuts cup, that plastic bottle, mm -hmm. just take out your bag, take that trash with you, but get credit for doing it. We know that you're not a litter bug. We know you're cleaning up the environment. Snap a photo, post it to your social media saying, hey, here I am at my trophy trash, hashtag trophy trash, just like a turkey like or that. a deer or whatever. So, um, you know, we can make up some bags for, you know, blood origins. If you guys have, you know, want to give some out to your, your viewers or your listeners or your touch points and stuff. But, um, you know, we're excited about that program. Uh, also excited about some of the projects we've got coming up in 2013. Um, we're going to be 2023, you mean 2013? Well, 2023, 2013, Michter's 10. That, that's <laughs> it's the, the, it's the Michter's 10, 10 talking right? more. Um, but yeah, we, we've got received some funding from some grants that we're going to be able to uh, form a marketing communication task force to help communicate messages that you and I just talked about to the masses. Awesome. So we want to put together a couple dozen marketing communicators from state agencies, from ducks, from pheasants, from turkey federations, and from manufacturers, get everybody together and put out press releases, combined press releases, just like you would see, you know, for, um, uh, you know, let's say if we wanted to have some positive promotion of pretending legislation, you know, th these five groups mm. agree that we should, you know, vote for this. So we want to have 24 logos from Outdoor Stewards to Blood Origins to Ruger, Smith & Wesson, SIG, Tennessee DNR, Ducks Unlimited, pushing out how conservation is funded. You know, mm -hmm. the positives uh, of our industry, and there's so many of them on there. So I would like to invite you, uh, Robbie, to be part of that conservation marketing communication task force and uh, help, help oh, spread the good word. Absolutely. Happy All to right. help. It's, it's right up our bailiwick, and obviously we create content, and we have opinions, though, Jim. Do you want people with opinions on I that task force? I absolutely do, and I, I love that, you okay. know. You, you try to, you know, get something out of me that... Uh... And to have an accent. <laughs> right. Well, Opinions and accents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're excited for you, Jim. I'm, I'm glad that our paths have crossed. I know that there's going to be lots of opportunities in the future for our paths to continue to cross. So reach out to us if we can do anything for you. And um, thank you for coming on the uh, round. Thanks for having me. And I wish Cody well. Yes, we wish Cody well. He has tick five fever, by the way. I was right last roundup. He brought an African disease back with him from Africa. I said, welcome to the, welcome to the team, essentially. And um, yeah, tick bite fever is what it is. All right. Cody. Cheers. Thank, thank you, you, Jim. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Oh my god! Oh, 
Every once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.